it's time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs. As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe, what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This This is a show about about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together again. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Cops Talk. Uh, This show is about building bridges. I'm here with three working, actual cops uh, outside of the Chicago area. If you'd like to meet him, the last episode is where you can meet every one of these guys and hear the origin story. But I'm joined by Chris, Scott, and Sean once again. And today we're going right at it. We're going to talk about uh, protests. We're going to talk about rioting. We're going to talk about racial tension. All the easy subjects. Um, But, you know, I'll tell you, as a guy... Uh, I'm 48, and I was having a conversation with a guy um, a couple weeks ago, and I said, have you ever felt this much tension in America, like as a, as a person in America? And, you know, this guy was in his mid-60s, and he's like, I haven't, I haven't ever felt like that. Even in, the, even in the 60s, when there was race riots going on, there was something that, that this feels almost more tense right now. So it's, I think we've got a, a pretty interesting thing. I think this show in and of itself um, is going to hopefully offer some perspective on, on what you guys see when you walk out of your houses. And, and um, you know, Chris and I have worked together for a, a few months now, and I couldn't believe, you know, he's like, well, I got to go deal with more rioting. And I'm like, God, it's, you know, it happened for like a weekend in the, in maybe two weekends in the country. But between Portland and Chicago, it's been going pretty steadily ever since then. So um, I'm actually curious about before we, you know, uh, I mean, well, I think we're going to dive into a lot of different subjects. But, Chris, um, what's the, you know, I feel like it's almost a time to make the donuts moment for you uh, having to go in and sort of deal with this now for the last, what, three months, four months? Yeah, it's been about three months now going on to and from. Um, You know, it just I, I. I don't, there's so much going on and there's so many questions there's, and there's so many perspectives. I just think it's, you know, people have got to, in my opinion, they've got to start listening to each side and deal with the people that want to make the change, not right. deal with the people that just want to steal stuff and break stuff or whatever. I think it, it's, it, that has to happen. The pendulum has swung so far to one way that if you don't have that, it's, it's going to get worse. Right. Scott, do you do you is there a sense of you that at least understands the perspective of uh I mean, I don't want to say any of it. I think I think the people that are protesting, it's pretty easy to see their perspective. But what about on the more violent side? Do you Yeah, I mean that's that's the part that I think is a problem for anyone. It doesn't matter what your, you know, takes on or on, you know, political or anything like that. I mean, our whole job is about upholding the constitution and protecting people's rights. I mean, that's the things that we do. And there's nothing more that any of us want to do than help people, you know, allow people to exercise those rights and do those kinds of things, obviously in the way that is are acceptable to do in society. But I think what we've been seeing lately, and we, we've had our own instances, um, what's happening is there's people that have a message and they want to get that message out there and they want to do it through the proper channels. But unfortunately, I mean, everything that we see and we get a lot of, you know, information on things that are going on out there outside of our area. What's happening is these things are getting hijacked by people who are just out to just do criminal activity and try to disrupt everybody's way of life, daily way of life. And they're using it, hiding behind people that are trying to actually get a positive message out there or try to make some kind of change. And it's killing their message. It's it's right. It's, oh, it's totally overshadowing. It's totally it. killing yep. their message. The, Absolutely, the rioting side is is not helpful. Um, you can see how things can be angry. Uh, you know, um, I'm curious about like what the. Um, I wonder if you maybe from a military standpoint, Sean, had a different training with with rioting than than uh, than the police, or is it is it relatively 
you know, because you you were asked to be police in different countries where you had to deal Very with, much, uh, you yeah. know, a, a, a violent, you know, uh, community. Right. And obviously you don't want to walk in there and just kill everybody. These are citizens of this right, spot. Right. So what's the training like? Uh, well, I mean... I, from uh, like the comparison again between the military and and the uh, police world, um, the MPs largely. I was in an MP. The MPs largely deal with that kind of civil unrest thing. There's a, a lot of different acts aspects of that that don't translate very well between the two worlds. Um, one of the things to these guys' points that they talked about earlier was um, what I saw when it first happened. Obviously, this was kicked off by what, the thing that happened with George Floyd. It was a really bad thing that happened with George Floyd. I mean, the, the nexus of looking at it. I know that there are still facts to come out about that and things that need to be discussed and everything else, but you couldn't find a cop that agreed with what happened there mm. That from the, from the law enforcement side that said what they did there, the police officers did, everyone, at least on the, in the surface, in the initial aspect of it, it was hard-pressed in social media, talking to people at work, talking to other officers from other agencies. Everybody looked at that and said, oh, my God, that was awful. That right. was uh, simply awful. My partner, I, as trainers, we had a discussion. I go, maybe this will be the thing that will finally get us to wake up to the fact that we need more scenario-based mm. training like I've talked about in the past. And I'm like, this is it. This is going to be the time. This is going to force it. You know, uh, the president was talking about this is things that's got to happen and things along those lines. And he's been very pro-police and things like that. But even he was like, we've got to get to the bottom of some of these things. And a lot of politicians and things like that were happening. But to their point, what happened was peaceful protesters would come out because we were activated. Our team was activated to deal with this. The officers were activated to deal with it. Peaceful pro- protesters did their thing, and then it just got crazy. It got yeah, ugly. It escalated and escalated. And I remember standing in a picket line saying to my buddy, now this is where it's all going to go back to where it was before he kneeled on the guy's neck. Everybody's going to go back to their corners and say, this is what we get by letting them protest. This is what we get. They smash up our businesses. They destroy things. And now everybody's just drawn up sides again. There's right. no, like, seems to be. The conversation, I don't know if you guys correct me if I'm wrong, has kind of gotten away from how are we going to train to prepare people better not to do the things in law enforcement. I mean, I, again, the nexus that I see is my opinion on this. That situation appeared to be completely tone deaf by the officers that were involved in the that. George Floyd, the George Floyd situation, yeah, right. right? And and I think we've got to get better at understanding the nexus, like Chris was talking about. We've got to hear each other's side and do whatever. Again, people say you weren't there, you don't know what's going on. That's that's famous in our community. It's How much community. of of that? Let's say you guys are in a situation where you're. You're seeing a fellow police officer, and they're doing something that you're really not comfortable with. Right. Like they're addressing a situation in a way that you go, man, this could go really wrong. So you got that guy standing right next to the guy who's kneeling on George Floyd's neck. And the guy's saying, I can't breathe. What's, what's the peer pressure internally, Chris, of a police officer to turn to the guy and say, hey, dude, you back off of that? Or... or does it? I'm sure for the newer officer that was on scene, my my understanding, I'm sure the peer pressure was 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 elevated. But just for me, I, I, I don't because. But if you've got I, a superior officer, a guy that has more years in the in the game, and right. you got a new guy who's afraid to right. address right. this veteran, right? And you go, wait, this he's thinking, oh, this is how we do it. This is how this is done. Well, that and then I think it's the peer pressure of well, I better not say anything because I only got four days on the job. Right. Whereas here. In this dynamic, we've been with each for 20 years. Right. We can, we've learned to play it where now if I'm dressing some guy down and they think it's going south, they'll step in and then like, they'll like, well, that, co- that, that cop's a jerk anyhow, but talk to me. Got so it. we've learned over our experience and, and working with each other how to play that down. For newer, for, for newer recruits and stuff, there's just, they, they don't, the, they don't want to, say anything like oh i'll get in trouble or i'll be the bad guy where i think a lot of times you have to have the counters i don't care who you are if i think you're going on the wrong path i'm going to jump in and handle it or help you handle it or steer you the other way and that's where kind of the military i use this example in training i said i was a lieutenant if i ordered one of my troops to do something that was in violation of the ucmj you for code of military justice they could say to me sir i'm not doing that that's an Ill- that's an illegal order i am not executing that order and then i could be brought up on charges because i was forcing them to do that you still take action knowing that you can be held accountable for that we try to stress to new officers when we're training them particularly in the field training process as well as 
uh, with the internship program, which we manage officers coming in the organization as best we can, you have a moral obligation to say something to stop something from happening. We're not saying that cops don't make mistakes. They're human beings. They get caught up in the moment. Have you ever been spit in the, someone spit in your face? It's really hard to maintain control of a situation like that. That is the one, one of the more undignified a thing a human being can do. It. Every cop you meet has told you, I've been spit on sure. numerous right. times. I recognize in a scene if I show up, if Chris needs my help in ways beyond just him understanding the law, like, Chris, I got it. You can see his tension level. Yeah, right. right. And, and it's right. how we get to know each other and what we need to do. I don't need a supervisor like Scott there to come tell me to do that. He will if it yeah. takes that much. But between the two of us, I have to have the moral courage. Hey, I want to walk around and say, you know, I fight what you fear, thin blue line, and all this other stuff that we go on with. I want you to let you know what a badass I am. Sometimes it's really hard to be a badass with one of my peers and say, dude, you're out of line fix it and, right and, and we've really tried to stress that a whole lot more the idea of the rank structure does make that difficult the the idea of if i do say something like chris said i'm gonna be out they're gonna think i'm soft they're gonna think you know this guy's been on the street forever and you know hey he's obviously been able to get away with this and that is a thing that we're all working really hard to change and i think you have to impress the people that are new and impressionable you have to do what's right, no matter what the condition right, is. Right. Is there right. an accountability that that the the force? I don't know if I'm calling it the right thing. Yeah. Talks about with with each other. Do they say you've got to keep each other accountable? Is that a, a conversation that's started to ha- yeah, I mean, we, happen we yet? Do we do try to practice that? I mean, we. But do. is it a, is it a conversation that's being had? Like, is someone a superior to all of you people? Then be careful out there, guy. Is that the lieutenant? That's saying, guys, you have to hold each other accountable I mean, to this I mean, situation. I do that in, in my position. I mean, I try to be involved with what's going on, and you try to reiterate that to people. So, yes, you know, I mean, maybe not a daily conversation or something that you're having with somebody, but, yes, we, we are trying to do that. And even some of the training that we're doing now, some of the training in the police academy that's maybe even a little bit different than when we went through, um, when you're talking about, those situations where to Chris's point, when you're seeing things are starting to go sideways, we, we train these new officers, even when they're going through the Academy. Hey, if you realize that me and you are not getting along, or I'm just this guy that I'm dealing with on this call or this particular situation, it doesn't matter how nice or what I say to this guy. He just doesn't want to hear what I have to say. And he's getting amped up that is when a good officer sees that that's going on and steps in and says, "Hey, let me let me, let me try let, let me try talking to this guy." Or sometimes you also have to be the guy that you you're you're maybe the person that's in charge that's handling this call or the situation or whatever it is, and you have that attitude of, "Hey, I'm the guy in charge here and I'm handling this." You also have to be big enough to say if that person says, "Hey, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to this your partner that came in the door with you over here." Um, you have to be big enough to say put your ego yeah, aside yeah hey right. listen if if me stepping and talking to the other half of this whoever is involved in this incident and you want to talk to this person now we can make some headway you have to be able to do that because that is and, what gets you through some of these right you know, crazy think, situations and right. where it might go wrong is when the guy goes no you're talking to me well like, yeah and then right. that's it's asserting the and, it, and it's asserting and escalating versus trying to de-escalate right right, right. and i think a lot of and then and at that point you just got to know and that's where we talk about, you know, there's good cops, there's bad cops, there's good doctors, there's bad cops. That's the time. If you see that on the street, you have to address that with the superior. Somebody going, he didn't stand down, no matter what it is. I mean, we tell people, we lie to people all the time to save their lives. Somebody wants to jump off because, you know, because, sure. because they're gay. I'll tell my brother's gay. I don't care. Right, but right, right, right. But if you right. don't have that courage to, right. stand, to, to step aside and either create that or pass the illusion to somebody else, then you don't, then you have to address every spirit. Like, you may not be the guy to wear a badge. And you, right. s- and you see it on the other side, too, like, where, you know, we're talking about building bridges and stuff. You, see, you need to see this on the other side, too. Like, even the bad guys. Like, when your friend is, like, wants to be a gangbanger and he pulls a gun, and you don't go, like, dude, well, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. It, it's, it's on both sides of the fence, and I think that's what we need to see from each other. When everybody's got a story. Sure. They didn't just, they weren't born a gangbanger. Right. 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 They've, right. they've probably lived through some terrible stuff. Right. And they've, this is the life, this is the, their yeah, they found refuge option in that, that, was the that right. they've found. They found they've got right. one guy that's their homie that says, dude, I got you. I got your back. Right. And 
for the first time in their life, they feel like somebody's got their back right. because they, right. they, they grew up in a bad environment, whatever. You know, it's like, I think that probably leads you so far until you start harming the outside world. And then you go, go, look, I get that you have a crappy story, but you can't be doing what you're doing. And this is right. where you guys have to right. step in. I think the part that gets really gray is that, like you said, as a, as a, a person that wields this kind of power, to be spit in the face and not react as a human is got to be incredibly difficult. Right, but to, to, just like what Scott said, you have to be able to dial that down, and you have to be able to you have to be able to hear when somebody says, "I got it." But, but, but so what, that's the gig, right? Is what you're saying is like, right. I'm saying it's got to be hard to dial it down, and you're saying, no, no, that's the job. The yeah. job is to dial it down. If, when we're you being have to. tested even harder on those things now. And, and every day. We're, we're being tested even harder with these riots and all these things that are going on. So you have the everyday stress of just, you know, doing what you do. And maybe, maybe again, you go days, weeks, whatever, you don't really have any kind of confrontation with somebody, whether verbal or physical or whatever. Now, and it's stressful enough as it is just in your everyday doing this job, but now these things are just going on and on and on. And I can't imagine some of these, you know, these, these cops in these towns where these things have been raging for m months now. I mean, I can't yeah, imagine, yeah. you know, the stress level and, you know, right. trying like, to not but there's find an, your, but, 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 well, like, it's, That's it's, an acceptance of this is the gig. Right. It, it is. It's, this it, is the gig. Is. You're it, a football player. Yes. You're going to hurt on Monday. That's the gig. Yep. That's what it is. You're going to tear stuff and you're going to be sore and yeah, I got to go to the And hardship is something that builds it's, This is it. Because as difficult as it is now, there's going to be times that people will remember, not fondly, but there'll be you know, forging moments in your life on both sides of these things. Um, I, I think you know, no one's here trying to, to hate, feel sorry for us because this is what we decided to do. This is what we decided the to gig. do. And this is the gig. And we've gone a long time without having to deal with this in a lot of agencies. Yeah. But after the George Floyd incident, almost every large city across the country had something to deal with. The radio was insane. Right, right, hearing right. what was going on in this town and then that town. And everybody was like hitting each other and we were getting these constant bulletins. And probably like not prepared to that level. Well, and, and no one, no one really, I don't think anybody ever really is because the idea of civil disobedience is like people start to realize we don't have enough cops. If we had that many cops, you'd live in a police state. I mean, right, you don't right, want right. that. Like, right. Hey, yeah. if you had a city that was perpetually ready for riots, do you want to live in that city? Right. Like, people would say Especially now you got 20 cities in a community that are rioting. Right. right. And, and there's only so much there you can... There's only so much like the state police could do to help us or the yeah, 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 yeah. Force, regional teams. Right. They let, they let people go. And I lived in Long Beach. I live in Long Beach. And they... They let people, they let them run for a, two, a day or two because they, they, they didn't have the resources right. to, right. in all of these different cities right. to deal. So they just said, look, you, I mean, well, board up your windows. People right, say to me, I, oh, yeah, I think that's a totally, that would be a totally different show because now you're holding people accountable. That's a whole different, that's a whole different, you know, monster in itself. But yeah, that's, but that was probably one of the ways they thought they would deal with it. Let it run its course and it's going to go away and that's it. And it did. I mean, in, in most of our communities. Right. right. In Chicago, it didn't right. sound like it Chicago did at all. Portland. Portland. And then, to get people are... Weirdly, I, Portland's like the hippiest town right. ever. And, and everyday people are getting scared. You have conversations with people in my professional life and in my personal life, and people are getting scared about what if this just becomes a new the normal, normal thing. I sure. mean, there's a reason that there's been you know, a huge number of gun sales in the country and all these different things because people are getting freaked out and i hear it just talking to family members of mine because they you know knowing what we do for a job they ask us about hey you know is this a good gun or what should i do with this or that kind of thing you know they want to buy firearms because they think we're experts on everything when it comes to that so you get a lot of that i get a lot of that from my family but then just the everyday people that you interact with out on the street too i mean you're just having lunch somewhere and somebody brings up a conversation with you and they start talking about that and they you know i had somebody not not too long ago yeah, you know, I'm I'm buying a gun, or everywhere I go, ammo's sold out, and things like that. I think th there's a little bit of a fear factor that's that's building with people. And to that point too, I mean, we as a nation, you know, why do we think we're immune from this? 
every other nation in the history of mankind had to deal with this unrest and at some point people had to figure it. out am i buying what which part of this am i buying into and people will say well in november this will all be over i don't think that's going to be the case i, don't I think, think so I, I think it's going to continue on one side's going to win one side's going to lose i think it matters who's in yeah, office and, and, and i don't think when it, we start it, to get to the point where we're saying elections don't matter anymore we all need to wake up about what little we've been paying attention to uh, case in point go check out at the grocery store and ask me if there's a magazine on the way out that has anything to do with other than celebrities you don't know anything about your society right now so you are going oh well i can't believe this is happening yeah because we've been we've not been paying attention right we've not been paying attention to what they're mad about and we always thought we were right and then no one ever held us accountable for never changing any of that so when I have family members who say, what do you think? What's going to go on? Huh? Time to wake up. That's what yeah, I say yeah. to people. I'm like, hey, right. wake up. Isn't it crazy you when, you, when you speak to somebody like who grew up in Belgium or something? And they all speak three languages and know right. a lot right. about right. each right. other's right. countries. Right. I go, man, right. are we dumb compared to these people? <laughs> and we are. And then, like, like we are right. And like and like Sean said, we have to start listening to each other because take politics aside. That that's not gonna that's not gonna bridge what to make. It's not gonna bridge the situation we're in to make it better. We have to learn about our society, have to learn about each other, different cultures, and how to deal with it. And yeah. they have to learn on both sides. You've got to talk and you've got to listen. Power's right. about division. Well, one thing about this show, which is I, I'm hoping is going to be really cool, is that you know we're going to talk about, um, we're talking about protests and race riots and things like that today. Well, hopefully in a future show, we get someone from the, the other perspective because because I was telling Chris a few weeks ago I'm a drummer I've been playing drums my whole life uh, pre-COVID I was playing four or five times a week in, in down in San Diego I play with mostly black guys like almost everywhere I go it's a blues right. jam or a right. jazz jam or something yeah. like that the the difference between what their life is like going to the grocery store versus what my life is like going to the grocery store is unbelievable the right. stuff that they, you know what it's like? It's like, if you ever talk to a beautiful woman and you hear like the reality of how often she gets some line thrown at her or hit on you're like, really? Like 20 times a day? Yeah. That's how it is for a lot of black folks right. with racism, lines right. that they, stuff that they get all the time or doors that shut or things that happen. And it, the, the scary part is how... Uh, normalized it is and accepted. They go, oh, yeah, obviously this is how this is going to be, but I'm going to have to do this. I had no idea until, you know, I'm sitting outside the, the bar talking to the dude and I was like, wow, that's just what it is for you, huh? And I wouldn't have any but perspective on that. But that's a case in point. Look at Chris holding his mic like a rapper. Yeah, right. He's, right here. <laughs> he's all like, what's up? Bridging gaps. Bridging gaps here. Right now, he's all, what? DJ, but it, but DJ but Kraken. But that's the thing. They just, it's, I, I, you would have no way of knowing. Yeah, and, and that and that's why you we got to listen. I don't know because I look at a black guy who goes to the grocery store. I'm like, is a black guy going to the grocery store? Yeah, who cares? Yeah, he's buying chips. I'm buying chips. Yeah, I'm but water, I'm then water, you pull I'm over different. a black guy in a, in a in a car and it feels different. Depending on the area, depending on the scenario. Yes. Yeah. So and well, and we and and by we, the way, it may be different. Like there might be a reason why it feels different, right? Sure. It could be a scarier situation, depending yeah. on the car, depending on the neighborhood, and this depending job, on the whatever. This job, you know, this job actually opens up a lot of that stuff that you learn about people. You know what I mean? You, regardless of what any of our backgrounds were, you know, we all grew up different places and whatever. The people that you deal with on a daily basis, constantly for twenty years, you 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 deal with a lot of different people, and you know, it's just you learn a lot about people and their experiences. So. You know, sometimes people think, oh, well, you guys don't know anything about this or you don't know anything about that. Well, no, I maybe don't know exactly what your life experiences have been. You don't also know what maybe what some of my life experiences have been that led me to do this. But either way, that's part of the it's part of the learning process of us in this job. It's part of how we become better at this job, because if you take some time to actually listen to people and what happens, what has happened in their life. There's a lot of people that you wind up having contact with multiple times over the course of your career. And if you take a little time to find out whether you agree with it or whatever, if you take a little bit of time sometimes to just find out what, how that person got into that predicament or whatever or whatever is going on with them that's led them to be in where they're at in their life, you're surprised how much the next time around those people are, you know, people are a little more willing to talk with you. Show or, a little or empathy you. and listen. Yeah. yeah. 
Right, which I mean, I, I think is probably the one of the more um, under underutilized traits that we have as a society is right. kind of just understanding the perspective right. on some of that stuff. Right. So we just had a little brief break, and while we were chatting, um, Sean mentioned something about like the that not only is there a perspective that you've got to understand, but on what we might call your side, even though technically you work for us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll have to get to that comment. <laughs> we do, actually. Um, you do. But but <laughs> I'd love to hear your perspective on what you were saying about like just as a as a uh, uh, as a force as an organization that you guys maybe have some work to do on your end as well. Well, I think in any equation when you look at it, you got to take a look at you know whether you're arguing with somebody just outside of work or arguing with somebody related to your work. You got to look at like well, where am I going to make some changes? Like if you go into any equation and say there's nothing I can do any better. I mean, especially in law enforcement. You're wrong. We, I tell the interns and the new recruits all the time, when you're working with a guy that says, I got this, get away from that guy as fast as you can because there's nobody that can possibly have all of the things that a cop's got to got. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. To, I mean, it, I can't put it in any different way than that. Like, you, you can't possibly say, I, yeah, I've got it all. I've got it all locked down. There's too many things society expects us to do. And, you know, if you were a criminal justice major, at least when I went through school in the 80s, you weren't learning any of those things. You know, you yeah. learned about constitutional law and you're like, uh, I guess that, what does that mean? You know, and you just moved on and then you finally put it into practice. Like, you, you, you practice these things that they talk about in courtrooms in trenches. Like, you literally are, like... The Fourth Amendment, what guides what we can do. The Eighth Amendment, what guides how we can treat people, is practiced at an arm's distance when somebody's trying to kill you. It's not calmly discussed in the sanctity of, a, of the courtroom. That's how the process works. But in the same sense, how can I look internally and say, what can I do to avoid these things, better prepare myself for this train, get more perspective, more experience, how to recruit better people to do this, how to prepare them better people for this, and then how do I watch out people that can't do it? just mm. get rid of them because we can no longer just keep saying that it's a tough time to recruit cops, but this isn't the time to lower the standards. This isn't the time to right. say, well, cause we can't get any, we're just going to take whoever we can get. We have to take people that are prepared to be able to do those things. And, uh, and I don't, I, mean, I don't know what the answer to that is other than let's look internally and see what we can do to make it better. Right. Well, I think too, you take it, look at it internally. That's part of the debriefs. And I'm not talking about a major incident. I'm just talking about little things. Like a call day to day, day to day, like a little a call, maybe something with a little south. And I remember one um, one incident that uh, I was on the job new, uh, probably out a couple months. Long story short, we had a guy that wouldn't come out of his apartment with a domestic, and one of the guys had a shotgun. And the one, door, which guys? Guys on your side or their guys, side? One of, one of the good guys. So he was he was next to me, and. The guy opened the door, came out, and for whatever reason, I want I didn't want the door to close. For whatever reason. I walked in front of the tube, which is the, the barrel of the shotgun. Mm. Okay. Everything went down fine, good to go, whatever. Afterwards, the it was John Tissell, as a matter of fact. He goes, Hey, come here. And we had a little debrief. Yeah. Like, what were you thinking? What were you doing? And I'm like, hmm. For whatever reason. I didn't want that door to close because I didn't know what was behind that door. So you just take that link. What could I do better? Hold what on. Let me understand do? what you did. So you've got a guy behind you with a shotgun. He's to the, my left. He's to your left and behind your left shoulder. Behind my left shoulder. And then the, the guy in, in the house me. opens the door. Mm-hmm. And you stepped in front of the shotgun. Why? Because when, well, the guy came across. The guy came, the guy came forward. Yeah. We moved him. Towards to, you. Towards me. I, and I moved him to the guy behind me because I didn't want the door to close. And when I, when I went to go make sure the door didn't close, I walked in front of the barrel of the shotgun. I see. And then where was the, where was the, other, where was the, the guy from the house He's at the next time? To, 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 my, to one of, my, the guys, one, of the, one of the coppers on scene. Yeah. I passed him from in front of me to him. Oh, so you actually took custody took of custody him. him. Okay. Moved him Missed to my right. Moved Got him it. to my right to another copper. And I... Walked in front of the in front of the barrel, the, the shotgun, to stop the door from closing. I have no idea to this day why I thought why was that door needed closed. Long story short, we debriefed. You learn about Halligan tools. You learn about all the SWAT stuff that's downstairs. If that door closes, who cares? It's an apartment building. Where are they going? You're seven floors up. 
So it's that. Well, hold on. I don't understand what you just said. So what's Halligan? They're, that's, they're uh, preaching tools where you open doors and stuff. Close got doors it. down. And you think that was inside? No, no, no. That's the stuff, the tools we had. Oh, got it. Okay. That, that's stuff that I didn't think because about. For some reason, we had a force entry into right. that apartment for right. some other reason beyond what right. they're dealing right. with. And, and you said, I don't want to let this door close because then it's a whole pain to get it inside. And you don't know what's going on behind the door. Right. When in actuality, what I learned was is as far there's no yelling, there's no screaming. He was allegedly the only one. This is the intel we got. And if we have to get in there, we have the tools to do so. Right. And the people right there and trained to do so don't walk in front of a barrel of a gun to so that's do that. The, that's the lesson. That's it's the dumb. lesson. But after and that's what you I think what, what one of the things Sean was saying is that from an internal standpoint, I could have been like, no, that wasn't me. I mean, get out of here. Right. But you have to take a self-evaluation of what I can do better because had I had something gone south, now I'm affecting five people, including the bad guy. Hmm. So self-reflection, I think, is important. How often do you guys get to hear about how another one of the officers handled a situation and it went well? Well, we we, we often, quite quite like, often. Is it shared? It is, is there some sort yeah. of internal? It is. Hey guys, this is what happened. Here's what I did. It's something to note for the future. It might not be a you know a department wide thing that goes out. Do you guys have those? Do you have a messenger or some way to communicate with each other? Guard, guardian. Well, we. I mean, it'll it'll come out like tracker or it'll whatever. it'll come out maybe in an email depending on you know something happened or or someone. Um, higher up will send something out and say, hey, I'm really happy with how everybody handled this kind of thing, or we have like an internal system where you can get kind of, you know, it's a it's a tracking system of, you know, if you get awarded or a commendation type thing, you know, you do something well, it's documented in there. So it's keeps a record of those good things that you do. And the, the debriefing part that we were talking about is a huge part of trying to make those things better. And we we've, didn't seem like we used to do a whole lot of that back when we started. But now I feel like we do so much more debriefing incidents from critical big incidents all the way down to small things that hand uh, you know happen on shift. It's like watching film, you know, right, you, right, right. Taking self evaluation, right. It's cool if that's a formalized process, right? And it's hard sometimes. It's it's awesome when everybody when it when the when the situations end well and everybody pretty much did a good job and it goes well. It's super easy to high five everybody. Yeah, we're awesome. That was great. It's harder to have a situation that didn't go well, especially around your peers or people that you're close with. You made a mistake. They made a mistake. Something right. happened. And to sit there, you know, to have some humility and say, does somebody hey, do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Is, does the boss bring everybody into a room and say, look, this is what happened and here's how we yeah, have we, to address it in the in, future? In my, yeah. What I formerly did in, in the narcotics stuff, we did a lot of undercover drug operations, things like that, search warrants, a lot of those types of things that required a lot of planning and wouldn't always go exactly the way that it was supposed to go. I mean, I mean it was never. Just, they probably yeah, never rarely does it go exactly how you plan it. But we would always, good, bad, or otherwise, we would debrief those things when we got done because we'd say, hey, this went really well. Hey, this was maybe not so hot. And, you know, even as, as a boss, you have to be able to take some criticism too. If you didn't do something right, you want to create, it's important to create that environment where people are willing to tell you even as the boss, hey, we didn't really weren't we weren't really comfortable with how you did this and you have to be able to take that criticism too. I mean, cuz if you can't then right. then there's 100%. people that have concerns and you think that you're kind of above that. And, and a lot not. of it's circumstantial too. Like we get, you know, we were fortunate we got a lot of praise from our state's attorney's office when we had a case that's going to be high profile and you know, officer involved shooting, things along those lines, um, you get praise about how you're trained. And that's something, obviously, it's near and dear to me because I'm a trainer. And you hear guys come and say, hey, that stuff you showed us really worked. Or, man, that doesn't really work that well. And you get that feedback from the street. Generally, the best way for us to learn about that is through word of mouth. Like, an official email is an official email. It's almost like, this is what I have to do. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm you know, it's my job as a boss to say something. But what feedback you get from the people that are actually doing the work on the street really helps you like form like we've had scenarios that were a mixed bag you heard a lot of people complaining about how poorly it went and then you heard a lot of people say well no this went good or whatever so in our unit we'll say all right let's recreate that same exact scenario put everybody in the apartment through it see how it rolls out and oftentimes it rolls out the same exact way that they complained about and we learned like okay so 
before we start doing each other in this, let's find out what are all the circumstances that surround us. Because we're like any other organization. Bad news gets around way faster than good news. Right, and right. we don't get a chance to really address some of the good things or some of the things we could have done better other than maybe mocking. You know what I mean? So, right. um, and Which we're, helps. We're good at that. Um, but Mocking you know, somebody else. <laughs> yeah. 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 Our own. Good job, right. bro. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Sucks but, to suck. but you, you, <laughs> we, we have seen, we have seen a huge paradigm shift in the way we're doing debriefing. That was That's largely, a three syllable words. So. Yeah. Like we're talking Spell about it. paradigm. It's yeah. spelt way weirder yeah. than it yeah. sounds. Um, I'll have to but save the that. bottom line, there you go. <laughs> easy, easy. Um, the, uh, the idea of that was largely relegated or it was only kept in the, the, like the SWAT type world. Hey, we're going to debrief this and after action review, something we stole from the military. Well, now they're doing it with officers on the street. They handle a call themselves. The supervisors are doing it without even being prompted, hey, we're going to have a quick after-action review to talk about what we could have done a little bit better there. So that instantaneous feedback in a non-documented form a lot of times is very valuable to guys. I don't know if every organization does it. We do it, I think, pretty effectively. I think the big difference is, is you know, you were in logistics before. If, if something doesn't, you know, if you're using the wrong shipping company, it costs the company a little more money. But logistics in your world could mean that somebody gets killed, right. Uh, right. either on your side or their side. Right. And... And, I, I'm, you know, it's like one of those things where you don't want it to, but sometimes it takes repetition to go, wait a second, we're not doing this right. Right. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously a much bigger challenge on your side. Chris, I'm curious. I think probably of the three of you, you've been more, and I could be wrong again, more frontline with some of the rioting. We talked earlier about, um, <clears throat> you know, what it's like as a human to get spit on. And I'm curious about, like, you're, you're standing in a line. And this could go to all of you, but I'm going to ask Chris first. Um, you're getting screamed at and spit on and, and abused verbally. And in any other situation, you'd punch the guy in the head and right. say whatever. What, how do you internally uh, t- sort of talk yourself into a, a more calm state? Well, I think for me, um, I just know that I can't, I can't get out of place because if I get out of place – it's going to affect everybody out there. It's going to get, it, it will affect every officer that's in front of me because usually with the dog, I'm behind, and Sean's more the front that's line That's true. Guy. You do have a, a, a dog right, in front right. of you so, who I has mean, titanium so, uh, teeth, yeah. by the way. Right, right, so right. I just pet the dog, and I kind of calm yeah. down. But yeah. um, no, I, I try and maintain my calm because I know if I lose my cool or I, I'm the one that created to go south, there's a whole lot of bad stuff that could happen after me to a lot of people that I care about. Mm. Um, and I know I have to maintain my composure because I have to watch them and they got to watch me. And if, if, if I am now part of the problem and not the solution, it get, it, a lot of people can get hurt. Well, I mean, if we think about this, if you're listening out there and you got pulled over, it's, you immediately get super nervous, right? Sure, it's one right. of the first things to happen. You get really you know, super nervous. <laughs> you see a, a cop come up and you, y'all, you got a gun, you got a taser, you got... Vest, mace, you right, got a everything. vest, you got all this stuff. Super intimidating. So what has to happen to a person to face you and say F that and start screaming at you and be completely not intimidated but also want to hurt you? You, you? That is a special mindset that you have to be in to, to feel like you're sort of up against this trained I, I think person. some of that has to do with, honestly... I'm just going to be straight. The comfort of knowing that it's so high profile that you're probably not going to get that because that is being done at times. This, we were in the last riot that we were in. Was There's tons of cameras around. There's tons of things going on. There's tons of people watching what's going on. You're doing that because you know it's relatively safe for you to do that in that moment. While we're there in that picket line dealing with it, we're looking past that guy and looking for the things that's a lot less obvious to us because we that guy is a known entity. He's there screaming at us. We can see he's armed. He's not armed. He doesn't have a you know, bottle of something in his hand, a brick in his hand. He's just screaming at us and telling us he hates us and we should all die and you know, whatever it is, he got him to that point. And you know that if you had to, you could incapacitate him Yeah, we would just grab him quickly. take him out of there and deal with him or whatever. Yeah. But the situation in that is like, that is often done to us as a means to distract us for something else that's coming. That's not as scary as the guy who's 
sort of three quarters of the way through the crowd. Lurking with the and, uh, and, and has his eyes up and he's active and he's right. looking around and, and right. he's got his hands in his or, backpack or something. Right, right. He's waiting us that to be feels drawn more, in by that guy. Right. So we now lose an edge because yeah. If you want to, like, I made this analogy that night to somebody when we were in that. I go, guys, that's as close to a battle as you're going to be in, like, modern warfare. People were like, this is insane. This is such crap. Why do we got to put up with this? I'm like, guys, you just had a pivotal moment in your career. You were just in, like, tactics ebb and flowing on the battlefield. Like, we had the ground for a while. Then we lost the ground. Then we had to do some different things to take it back, and they took it back. They damaged some property. It's That's battle. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Like... Everything isn't just like you line up and then we'll mow people down like people think it is or we march through them or do whatever. There are certain things we stand there to try to avoid happening. And then there are certain things we have no control over from happening. And it's weird to be like there are people that are on your side in a riot, like property owners or you know business owners and things like that. And they're like, why aren't you guys going to do anything? We're like, what are we going to do? There's nothing we can do at this point. We don't know who broke that window. We don't know what's going on, and anything we do is going to make the situation 10 times worse. Gassing it, destroying the, like going in there to gas a business that's being looted. Well, they've lost all their property and sales, but now we've rendered the building useless because we've gassed it and no one can use it to even. So people don't, again, it's part of that whole understand, like we don't have riots every day. It's good that Americans don't understand riots. But the bottom line is there's a dynamic to a riot where force is even applied on that level, which is way different than warfare. But we gained ground, we lost ground, we pushed them, we moved them to certain locations. They followed her sometimes, sometimes they didn't. And you just got to roll with it. I mean, you got to be willing to go and not get sucked into that point where now they're riding over what your response was. What are your instructions when you are going out and there's a riot going on, Scott? Well, like, what do you hear? Like, what? Well, I mean, what? Well, uh, maybe not <laughs> the instructions, but what are the goals? Like, what is the? What is your end goal as a police force uh, when you walk out onto that well, street? I mean, ultimately. The number one thing is protecting life. I mean, ours and the people who are coming at us. I mean, ultimately, we're, we're responsible for everyone's lives, our own, theirs. Um, Sometimes you have a rabid dog and you don't want them to get hurt or hurt anybody else. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, right. And for me, you know, sometimes as a supervisor, maybe I don't get to do as much frontline stuff. So, you know, I might be in a position where... Um, you know, we have people that are operating on the ground. We have people in a command post who are making decisions and are taking in all this information that they're getting from what is happening out there on the street. So I might be in a position where um, not only am I, I'm, I might have to be watching for people who you see maybe an officer is at the brink of something's going to happen. And it's like, hey, I need to move this person out and replace them. Let's put a fresh person here or you know rotate some people through if you can see people's stress levels are maybe getting that way and then also to be relaying the information of what is happening to the people that are in that command post that are of higher rank than you so that they because they're making decisions based on what feedback they're getting they're not they're close or they're you know within phone distance but they're not necessarily right there in the thick of it when you've got those things going on so you you in kind of in my role that's more what you're doing. You're kind of assessing as things are going on and you, you're making some, some quick decisions there if you have to make decisions. And then you're also relaying that information back to, hey, what do we need or, or what is happening out there as, as this thing is flowing? What about psychologically, Chris? What's the, uh, what is your mindset as you go out into this, this group? And you know, as part of you saying, this is their American right to do this, um, but you can only go so far and, you know, obviously can't get violent, can't start burning places down, you know. I'm curious about what, what your mindset is. My mindset is, is that they have, they have every right to protest peacefully, I, and, that's why, and that's why we do the job, and that's why we do it, because that's their right, I, whether I agree with it or not. I, that is my job. That is the oath that I took is to protect their right to do what they need to do in a peaceful process. So you have that aspect, and then you also have the aspect of, okay, when this goes south, not only do I have to protect the guys and girls I work with, but then I have to protect the bad guys from themselves. And that's really, you just have to go out there with no matter what happens, no matter what the decisions are, that is the goal. Go so, home, protect everybody. So I, I'm, I, I think of the phrase necessary force 
and the way I interpret it is it's the minimum amount of force required to get either compliance or to get the situation handled. Is that, am I accurate on that, or and or is yeah, it? I mean, it's, I'd say for lay people, that is a very good description of what we try to do. The least intrusive means possible in anything we do in the realm of the Fourth Amendment is, you know, what can I do? Sometimes just my mere presence can be enough. What we're starting to see that's waning a little bit because of our standing in society right now. So, what is the next thing we can possibly do? I mean, it's very diluted right now in, in, in some of the stuff because people are so upset. People are very upset. And I don't think any of us are trying to say that they don't have any reason to be upset. But like to go out there and have a mindset of what it is, it's like it's a mixed bag because cops all react to things differently. Like people all react to things differently. We had every reaction from, hey, man, this is democracy in action. And sometimes it gets ugly. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. We, we can't go our entire lives. We just ain't the think, only generation that's gone through this. Right, right exactly. Right. And, 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 you know, like I say all the time to the guys, and I said earlier, these are forging moments in your career to understand what this job's really about. I mean, we went for years and it was like things would happen, but they were real freaks of nature type stuff that happened in the town that we worked in. Now we're just starting to see what the rest of the world at time has to deal with. And it's like, Hey guys, this is it. I mean, if we think American arrogance should not be, well, this shouldn't happen in America. Why shouldn't it happen in America? Right. Why didn't it happen sooner? You know what I mean? Like, why are these things, like, why are people waiting this long to wake up? And that's when people ask me, like, what are you guys going to do? I go, I don't know. What are you going to do? You're part right. of this process. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Right, right. We're there, we're there to protect your rights to, to go through this process. But what are you, you going to do? We can do what we can do. But what are you, you going to do to bridge this gap to make this thing right? Well, the fact that you guys, I mean, again, it's like, I, I almost wish you guys weren't as sort of level-headed and open-minded as you are, <laughs> because, um, but, but that being said, I think there's a, 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 a weird um, testosterone-laden, um, almost unwillingness to publicly try to make a change within not just with you know your your police force where you are but universally you can it's almost frowned upon or almost like you're you're an outlier or you're you're not towing the company line if you make suggestions that might be in favor of you know the protesting group at the time you know what i'm saying like if you go hey well wait a second guys what if we approached it this way and that's not the way it's been done traditionally then you almost can get ostracized within the the, I think some of that's organization specific. Right. Um, like, yeah, just it to, doesn't sound like your place, but I think it's, uh, and, you know. And again, a lot of that has to do with what the citizens expect of their elected officials. If their elected officials are meant to be hammers, then they'll be hammers. If they're meant to be, you know, daisies, they'll be daisies. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, so it's a response to democracy. You know, what you you're responsible for the people you elect if you don't pay much attention to it. Now, think about the average city outside of, like, uh, you know, maybe Chicago or whatever. The numbers of people that actually vote in elections to have people run their towns, are it's, like, mind-boggling. Fractional. It's, like, I mean, it's right. literally, you right. can make it to a town council in a city the size of 150, 267 people with 1,100 votes. Right. And nobody even knows who you are. Right. And you're making those decisions for those people on a day-to-day -day basis, and you're not paying attention. Like, wake up, America. You have to pay attention. To you're things. looking at the governorship uh, and not like right, at the or, council or gig yet, that you're... Like you're looking at a single entity right. in, a, in a democracy this big that has very little power when you think about it. You just want to say, my guy won. And that's all you vote for. You're not saying, like, what is this person really going to do? Because right. we've been voting along party lines for a long time. It's a two-party system. You know what you're getting from this side. You know what you're getting from that side. And has it gotten any better for you? I mean, can you actually say it's gotten any better for you? If you keep walking in there and casting the same vote, you can't keep blaming it on the system. Hold the people accountable. Like, we're being right. held accountable. Cops right. are now yeah, right. finally being hey, held accountable. Politicians aren't held nearly as no, accountable. For, no, they're not. For and, I think, and I think part of that is that they're not being held accountable. And also because, just like you brought up, you know, being ostracized for the stuff, the way stuff has always been and, and going against the grain or making some suggestions, I think that goes on the other side, too. Like, like nobody could come in the police department or, or nobody could come up to me and say, 
what do you feel or what do you do or right. and how how can we change? I think it's the same thing on, on well, both sides. I mean, sides. none of us at this table can speak about racial tension or how it can be fixed on that end. But if no. we do that next show, right. that's where this, this can be addressed. Right. But what we can do here is talk about what it's like on, right. on our end. Because I think what we get pin, we get pigeonholed of, well, they're going to do the same thing no matter what happens. And that's not always true. I'm not going to handle a call the same way they may handle a call. Well, the same thing on the other side is, well, I'm not going to go try and make anything for the cops because all they do is beat us up anyway. It doesn't matter. Right, right. right. Sure. I'm only going to act a certain way because they're, they're not going to listen anyway. Right. They go, well, and, and, what if they, you know. To that and, point, and that's why, this, that's, why, that's why we're doing the show because that, that's, that's, right. that's not 100% that's right. true. Yeah. It's not because there are true. second riot or second protest that got a little violent that I participated in. What was a telling tale for me was I'm standing there and we're kind of holding the line on the street to make sure that they don't come a certain way. And there was an African-American male in well in his 60s that came out and was telling them, pointing at us, saying, these guys aren't your problem. Mm. These guys aren't at fault. And he was getting razzed by people sure. that have not seen anything that that man's seen. Right, I right, tell you right. right now, you live in that area and you're that age and he's standing there defending the police and he's getting razzed by people, to your point, that have no business talking about what it feels like to be put upon racially. And I was like, this, this, this is what this is about. This, yeah. this is what this is about. Like, we're all judging each other based upon what group we're in and we have no idea what we're talking about. This is so, this is so complicated. Every facet of this is so complicated because the second you go, yeah, but if we would just do this, there's seven other things that are triggered by that, that decision to be made. And right, and that's what we have to look at. Like This, is, this just isn't going to go, well, I'm going to go to a boys and girls club and they need me to come in the McGruff outfit and give them hugs and somebody over. You know what I'm saying? Uh, from now on, Chris will be in the McGruff outfit for every podcast. You know, it, it is that. It's the one thing and then it's like the peeling of the onion. You take one and then there's another one that, oh my God, I didn't think about it. Then we have to look at that tactic or how we handle that and then it's the next one. It's the next one. But it's got to get going. It's got to start. There was some comic that said, um, you want to fix police racism you just hire black cops and then one of you guys tonight <laughs> said there's it's almost impossible to get black cops yes yeah, statistically so, it's, it's right now it's, right. it's really tough. difficult for that yeah right? i mean you could make an argument that a a push for that would probably make a big difference well i, I mean right i think I, there I, is i mean uh, a lot of a lot of departments are are seeking out i mean they're seeking out diversity they want their they want their police departments to be reflective of their community. I mean, I, I really believe that that is a goal of a lot of police departments. How you, how you do that or, you know, how you get that message out there or what you do in your, you know, hiring practices and things, you know, I, I don't know the exact answer for that. But I know that that's kind of a common theme that a lot of agencies, they're looking for that. You're looking for that diversity in your police force and you're, you want it to be a, a reflection of your your community overall as much as you can but to that point like we talked about earlier in the police world like very rarely anywhere else you go do you stay in one spot for 30 years there's mm. only one place you can think of that like it's prison or it's your family and sometimes that's the same place but the bottom line is it's like it's very difficult <laughs> it's very it's very difficult like if you have a bad model it doesn't matter what flavor you attract to the yeah. work you are going to produce the same type of cops. Yeah. I mean, you're going to, if look at cities like Baltimore, they have tremendous problems. They have a demographic of police officers that are more commensurate or reflective of the city. That doesn't necessarily, I'm not knocking Baltimore. That's not my point, but you should, because the Ravens, never mind. I'm a Steelers fan. So. <laughs> but, but the, but the, Just knock them all you want. but the idea of that is that like, everybody's like, well, we're going to get a more diverse group of people. Well, you know, people learn the job from people doing it before them. So yeah, if you yeah. necessarily don't have a good model. And that's where I talk about, like, this has to come from, like, we've got to, honestly, this has got to be a trade. It can't be like, oh, I yeah. want to be a cop because I went to college. Like, you got to start scouting kids in junior high and high school to see their mindsets, what they can handle, what they're about, how open-minded they are. And don't go to the traditional places that you go to to get cops, which is, hey, you want to be a cop? Come take this test. Right, no, right. you got to, like. Is that community outreach, do you think, that, that does that? Is it is it going to schools and giving ride-alongs and bringing kids up to, like, 
if, if I, we I think mean, about it, like it, our first yeah, episode, I, it is our first I don't episode. Know that it's been the best thing, but yeah, that right. is a lot of what it. Yeah, what I it think is. it is. I think it's. I think it's opening the lines of communication. Are there programs sides. for that, or not yet? There, like to go that far into schools right now. I mean, we're kind of up against a hard wall with some of the schools with that, based upon current environment. But um, we again, yet we need to kind of go to places. Where where has this been done? The trades have done this for forever. For sure. Forever. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Some go, guy who's a welder was recruited as a sophomore. Right. You, again, nine-year-old goalie, uh, and I got a 16-year-old or 14-year-old goalie. I'm getting emails from people about wanting them to get in the drafting process. Right. Well, if I can do that for a sport, why can't I do it for something as important as a job that can decide your freedom? It's the biggest representation of government known to an average American sure. as a police officer. And we're like, yeah, well, we'll just see who shows up. You're the, the arm. You're the outreach. You're what I deal with. And, and we, we, we're we terrible recruiters at this. Mm. And the other thing is, is a, we don't do a good job of saying. It's a major point. Hey, you you might want to do this, but, bro, you got no business doing this. Like, hey, hey I want to dunk. Uh, if you could see right. me right now, you're going to know why I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, it's not it just the color of And they're going to tell me, sorry, bro, you don't have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that I'm not sure if any Irish person has ever dunked. Right. So. Um, well, uh, wasn't what, uh, somebody huh. on the Celtics had a dunk. Somebody. Kevin McHale? Didn't he I dunk? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't yeah. know. Digress. But that is a real, I mean, talk about solutions that are, are viable. That is a solution, I think, that wouldn't, I mean, for a community organizer of some sort, uh, would not be the the hardest thing to organize. The the biggest challenge would be the sixty year old black guy telling and getting razzed. It'd be that the fifteen year old kid getting razzed by his friends, right, absolutely, because he went right. on. Right. So there's right. a whole perception. Yeah, right, and that's what we were talking about earlier. Is that you know, as we have to check out each other and be be able to take that, like you shouldn't do that or maybe you shouldn't. Same, please, with this whole outreach thing that, you know, how do you get the 15-year-old, like, listen, you're going to get razzed, but what you're doing is the right thing. You have to sure. own it, and you got to, and you got to be okay. You got to make it. the job appealing. Right. You got to make it so you're, you, there isn't more domestic violence and suicide and depression amongst the police force because nobody wants to step and into we that. Do, we right. need to. I think people come in that want to come into this profession need to get exposed to a little bit more of the reality, what it's about. Mm. You know, I mean, I think I, I do some training stuff through the police academy and things, and. Sometimes you're not getting you're you might you're you're getting a limited amount of training. Again, to Sean's point about what the basics are of what we get trained on, then it's like, okay, just go out and do this now. You know what I mean? And I think that there's I mean, we we see it, we've seen it in, in people that we hire and they get put they're they're new, they're in training, they get put in some kind of stressful situation or some horrific type situation, and the next day they come in and turn in their stuff and quit. They're shell shocked. You right. know, and, and again, you know, maybe you just didn't know exactly what you were signing up for, but maybe a little bit more exposure to some of the realities of the things that you're going to encounter doing this for 30 years mm. might, we don't want to dissuade good people from doing it, but you want to be open and honest with people and be telling them, Hey, these are some things that you might encounter and we might, you know, show you some things to see, you know, you might want to do some self-reflection on it. This is something you can handle. I feel like there has to be a lot of public, um, upside, like some of the real satisfying moments of the of the job have to be out in the world more so that people go, oh, actually, this could be kind of cool. Like I helped this, you know, little kid who was being abused at home and now he's a doctor, you know, or whatever. Right, you know right, what I right, mean? Right. Like there's got to be something out there. They go, well, I, you're actually making a difference. It's a super hard job. You've got to have a certain mindset for it, but it's super gratifying. And I think that departments that, again, like social media and that kind of stuff, Departments that are on top of that stuff nowadays and are, are good at managing their social media do a good job of getting those good stories out there. Now, it depends on how many people you know pay attention to your department's Facebook page or Twitter account or whatever, but you have to have somebody that's regularly getting those good things out to people so that they know that you are doing good things and letting your community know about that kind of stuff. That stuff's mostly free. You know, yeah, that's like that's that doesn't cost a lot of money to to do that, to promote the good. And that's probably something that universally could happen with all of these different departments and would probably help a lot. I, I think it would. And I think what would happen over time is like now everybody wants to push on the button where it says, oh, my God, you know, 
cop shoots innocent guy. I think if you promote the good stuff more, I think people will continue to look at it and, and start weighing it themselves because people are intelligent and they're going to just say, well, well, this is the only well, well, that's a beat. Let's not do some that. people. Um, but I mean, you, that's, if that's all you see and you don't see any of the good, you got, you've already got this preconceived notion. Everybody's bummed out about cops until you need one. Right. 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 You still, even when you right. need one, you're yeah. still pretty bummed out about it. Because you're like, huh. hey, my kid like, damn, I don't want to need a house. Yeah, I don't want to need right. a cop right now. They're on your worst day. Go over, officer. What? I sit in front of my house and I watch people run the stop sign in front of my house. Like I sit on the porch and watch people. I mean, they're going 25 miles an hour through the stop sign. And I'm like, can I just record all of them and just send them all tickets? Can, can I, I, <laughs> yeah, I was we, like, I will give that. my driveway. I will give that. my driveway to the cop. Just sit there in my driveway. I'll camouflage your car, and you can just <laughs> have a, your buddy down the road. Well, um, we did that in Illinois. It was called uh, red light cameras, and they really they, didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out. Yeah, it was really it didn't bad, work out. We got like one left. Yeah, I think, right, 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 I think right, that happened everywhere. Right. I'll just you know take my plates off, hit the button, cover the plates up. You know, one of those deals. Or um, the spray. Who had the mirror spray? I bought the mirror spray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reflective spray. Yeah. yeah. So See? It's so fake much. technology out. Right. Um, well, I mean, this has been pretty enlightening, I think. Uh, I'm curious if you guys have, I don't know, I'll go around the horn again for a final thought on this. Um, and maybe if you have a, uh, if you have one, just a suggestion for what you, what you might think would help. The, like the overall um, climate of this very tense situation. I see. Are you all looking off into the? Well, I want to go. I see. For Scott, one thing is that what I've seen from a lot of this stuff that the people that have a message that they want to get out peacefully, a lot of times will reach out to those local police departments and things, and they will try to work with the police departments to coordinate those things so that they don't get out of hand so they say like we're going to have a protest yes and they, they tomorrow say, night at seven o'clock right, or they will have someone who's representing representing their group and they will reach out to that local police department or whatever it is to say hey we're coming out here we want to have this event we want to keep it peaceful we want everybody to be on the same page so that we don't have an issue because we want the same thing i mean by yeah. all means do that and actually what i've started to see in some of these things is that you've started to see when people who are trying to hijack these events start to come in and, and, and seep into those things. And, and a lot of the good organizations, the people that want to have these positive protests and do things, they don't want, they don't want those people coming to their sure. event. And they, they'll get out in front of it and say, if you're coming here to start problems or turn this into something criminal, that we do not want you here, and that's not what this is about. So, again, it's just it's good open communication between the groups that want to do those things and the, the, the jurisdictions where they're doing them. John? I, like, like I said, I try to internalize like what we can do as a profession. And I think we all have to kind of, it's not someone else's job now to be the change agent. If we want people to follow us into this, like people say, I'm, not, I'm telling my kids not to be a cop. Cops are saying that. It's like, well, then who's going to do it? Right. Like you, who's going to be the good who's cop? Who's going to be the, the cop? Like, and, and if you can't, even if you've made mistakes over a 20-year career, can't be the guy that can tell your kids, look, don't do what I did. Make your mistakes, just don't make mine, is what I, I, I try to tell people all the time. You're going to make them and realize you're going to make them. Be the change agent for it. Be the change agent for it. We have to improve this. There's no... Any, there's no other answer. There's no other answer to this other than it has to get better. And you can look at other groups all the time all you want. The best way to fix something is start with yourself and see what you can do to improve it. If you're not willing to do that, we're just going to fight this battle forever until we're being told what we can and can't do every time we turn around. I think for me it's accountability and, and bridging the gap between communication you know, like Scott said, you have the people that come in that really have a purpose when they want to come and they want to peacefully protest and right the wrongs. And then you have these people that come in and damage what they're trying to do. I think those people need to be held accountable, just like the officer that in the whole the whole George Floyd thing. I mean, they the, the people need to be held accountable. And what it is it is the accountability is the same for everybody. Right. Each part of the uh, each each side of the the coin, Correct. if you will. But on the, the, the police side, um, are you saying that you want internally more accountability between officers? Just to, like we talked about earlier in this show, which is like, hey, man, 
that was you know that was the the wrong way to handle that. I I think from that yes because I I don't want to say more of accountability but more of a debriefing because that is more like hey being able to for Scott or Sean to say hey you should have went left and not right or listen when that guy said I don't want to talk to you you should have shut your mouth and said hey then why don't you talk to this guy I mean I think you have to have and, and I guess that would be accountability but you already you have to make sure you hold yourself accountable that there's things that at this point I need to step in and let somebody else handle. You can't always do it. Well, gents, it's been a lovely hour once again. Well done for podcast number two. Uh, every week, you guys, we bring you new shows about why police officers act the way they do, what, what training they've had, why they're making the decisions they're making, and generally trying to build a bridge uh, between the community and the police force, which I think society very much needs. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time.